is Marketing Today from Melbourne, Australia, your number one podcast for news and commentary on some of today's top marketing stories. Now, here's your host, Peter Wagstaff. And welcome back to Marketing Today, episode number 83. Uh, This is the 30th of January, 2009. A very hot 30th of January 2009. Wags here uh, with our first real podcast for 2009. Um, Those of you who are regular listeners will notice this is actually our second podcast for 2009. Number one was uh, with the Gen Y boys. We had a a bit of a joint podcast. Um, Jake and Nat and um, and Zach Martin came along as well for a bit of a chat. Uh, So that was episode 82. But here we are, episode 83, our first real one. And you've probably noticed already the new fresh sound, the new fresh approach. Um, yes, 2009, we're going to be doing a number of different things with the uh, the Marketing Today podcast. Uh, there'll be a number of new contributors, uh, different people um, each week contributing to the podcast. In fact, you're a listener, but you can also be a contributor, as you're going to find out today, because uh, this week we're featuring, for the first time, the Oyster Report. Some of you may remember Daniel Oyston, who um, contributed uh, via email and other sources uh, starting back in September, October of last year. Well, he's going to now feature on the Marketing Today podcast with a regular little segment called The Oyster Report. So stay tuned for that. I'll be playing that in just a moment. Um, And also this week, we'll be having a chat with Cole on the couch, a favourite of many of our listeners. So uh, that's also coming up this week. And of course, I'm going to continue on with our regular music track of the week. Um, So looking forward to all of that. You probably just heard my uh, mobile phone beeping in the background there. Yes, it was a text message coming through from my mates at Connex um, telling me another train's been cancelled. And Connex have been copping a, a bit of flack in the uh, in the media lately over the past few days. Their system, if you believe the newspapers, is going to absolute crap. Um, but look, I think a lot of that is a media beat-up. Yes, there's a number of cancellations, but the network is still working. Um, how's that? I'm starting off the, the year with a, a pro-Connex comment. Unusual. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you're probably used to used to Colin and I bagging Connex and look I'm sure that's going to happen when I have a chat with him in a moment so uh, stay tuned for that. Now before I uh, move on just a, a little interesting item of news I thought I'd um, I'd put on the agenda here. Um, going back a couple of weeks um, and about two weeks ago there was an interesting campaign uh, that was launched via YouTube. Naked Communications, the agency, um, did this campaign on behalf of their client, Witchery. Witchery um, launching a range, a, a line of men's stores, you know, the fashion brand Witchery. What they did is, um, many of you have probably been reading about this um, in the blogosphere and also in the mainstream media. Uh, they paid an, an actress, um, Lily her name is, but she called herself Heidi in this video. And the, the video was titled, Are You My Man in the Jacket? for about three minutes and it was Heidi basically telling this story that she'd um, bumped into this guy, fell in love with him and uh, she was trying to track him down and he'd left his jacket and she held the jacket up and spoke about how it was a wonderful jacket. Well, within 24 hours, didn't take long at all, um, this was exposed as a hoax, um, exposed as a, a controversial advertising campaign. Um, but not before the media had jumped onto it and uh, the Herald Sun and The Age and a number of other newspapers around Australia jumped onto this and were reporting uh, this love story, Heidi looking for her man in the jacket. Uh, So the media fell for it, uh, but the blogosphere didn't and uh, it was very quickly outed and the following day, Naked had to wheel Heidi back in. They put out a... Another video where Heidi, or Lily, her name is, um, fessed up to, uh, to the whole thing being a hoax. I actually had a, uh, an email from, from one of our listeners to this podcast, uh, which was in response to a follow-up report in the Age newspaper, which basically um, um, was uh, this, this latest newspaper report came out uh, in response to a media release put out by Naked Communications. 
where Naked justified that they were right with this uh, this whole campaign. Um, now, what happened? Um, Naked, uh, they say here, just looking through this article, Naked were saying that um, they conducted some research. They um, surveyed 1,000 men aged between 28 and 35 with an interest in fashion. And the finding of this research said that post-campaign, when asked if they were aware of witchery man, 17% responded that they were. So fairly high brand recognition there for a brand that hasn't yet been launched. The only way they could hear about it was through this campaign and the resulting media scrum that occurred. Um, 486 of the thousand said they had seen the video. That's a massive number of people. Um, I'm surprised if it was really that high, uh, when you consider that at that stage there are only just over 100,000 views on this, um, on this video. So they've been very lucky with this 1,000 people they've been able to uh, track down. But a whole series of other stats, and as a result of all of these stats, that basically showed that it didn't actually cause serious damage to the witchery brand, Matt Baxter from Naked um, reported the results as bloody good. And at the end of the day, we're opening a store and want people to go there. Now, uh, thank you so much to uh, Peter, our listener, who emailed me. And his message is that um, he believes that uh, this whole, uh, I guess the, the morale of this story is that uh, lying is okay as long as the promotion is successful. Question mark, question mark, says Peter. Lying. Is this lying? I mean, what do you think? Do you think that a campaign like this, and if you haven't seen it, I'd suggest you just go to YouTube and, and um, search for Heidi Jacket and it'll be the first one that comes up on the list there. Have a look at the video. Do you think that this truly is lying? I don't think so. Personally, I believe it was quite an entertaining video. It was merely entertainment with a promotional message attached to it. Well, eventually there was going to be a promotional message anyway. Obviously, Naked had to very quickly change their strategy. Um, apparently, there's going to be more. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, but there's two groups that have been particularly upset by this campaign. Uh, one of those is the mass media. They were sucked in bad by this and um, they spent a lot of time and effort reporting the story and as a result of that um, I think they're slightly embarrassed that they they ran with the story. But the other group that uh, really got annoyed by it were, um, be careful with my choice of words here, Australia's social media experts or gurus, those people out there that that tend to put themselves up as as social media experts. A lot of them, very active in the bloggersphere, um, tend to be defining or attempting to define a set of rules that the um, social media space should follow. One of those rules that is often used, and I know that uh, one of the contributors to this uh, this podcast, Julian Cole. Hi, Julian, if you're listening, I'm sure you will be. Julian talks regularly about the need for social media transparency. If any marketers are going to use social media, they need to be transparent in the way they do it. And it's claimed that this Heidi campaign was not transparent at all. It was a branded message hidden behind a love story. Uh, they weren't open in, in declaring that it was a, a promotion for witchery at the time. And apparently the experts are saying that is breaking all the rules of social media. Well, I don't know. I think, um, I think that's taking that rule a little bit too far. To me, it was entertaining. Is it all that different to some of the other mainstream campaigns we see that, um, that tell a story? There's a lot of campaigns out there that, that involve fictional people involved in stories and no one really has a, a close relationship with Heidi she's a a face that no one knows that just appears on YouTube why not go along for the ride it's entertainment guys no need to uh, to be so precious with your social media space I think it was a, a good campaign and uh, I've got to say naked um, congratulations I, I really think Naked and Matt Baxter, you've, you've done a good job. It's going to be fascinating to see where it all goes from here. Uh, I know the, 
the battle lines have now been drawn between the social media gurus and, and naked communications that uh, are certainly not happy with each other. Uh, but where's it going to go? Let's wait and see. Um, Adam Ferrier from Naked has been quoted as saying that um, the campaign will continue and he hasn't said how or where or why, but it will be very interesting. So looking forward to seeing where it all goes. Um, so that's uh, that's the an interesting campaign that's uh, certainly worth following. Now I've got to um, talk about some of my sources here because there's an interesting... Um, a new kid on the block, well, has been for the last couple of months, Mumbrella. Um, I'd suggest if you haven't yet seen Mumbrella, you should go and check it out. M-U-M-B-R-E-L-L-A.com.au. A great source of uh, media and marketing news, um, for all Australian media and marketing news anyway. Certainly worth, uh, worth keeping your eye on that program. Gee, there goes another train cancellation. Sorry about that beeping there. <laughs> so Mumbrella, check it out. Okay, so um, that's the main piece of news I want to discuss this week. Um, stay tuned now because we're about to hear from um, Oyster with his Oyster report and then we'll have a chat with Col on the couch. The Oyster Report. G'day listeners, Oyster here with the Oyster Report where uh, each podcast I'm going to bring you a social media moron and or social media champion. Uh, this week, social media moron comes from my hometown, that's right, our uh, country's fine capital city of Canberra is not devoid of social media morons. For the purpose of this exercise, we're going to refer to this media moron, social media moron, as Rick, because I reckon it pretty much rhymes with another name that's fairly suitable for him. Now, Rick gets a social media moron award because uh, he filmed himself on his motorbike doing about 200 kilometres an hour in a 60 zone. You're a moron, Rick. What were you thinking? Not only are you an idiot, uh, a moron for endangering the public by going that fast, but somehow you think that doing 140 kilometres over the speed limit is something the rest of us want to see. Now, how do these morons get it out? That's right, they start using things like social media, uh, YouTube, um, to get these videos out. Now, I've never ridden a motorbike, but I reckon that going that fast is uh, probably dangerous enough, let alone illegal, without having to work a camera at the same time. But uh, look, that's not where Rick's stupidity ended. You know, he had to go and post it on YouTube. Uh, and unfortunately for this social media moron, the cops saw it, came and knocked at uh, his front door, and arrested his dumb ass. Um, Rick, you're a clown, you're an idiot. You should have, I reckon, just ridden straight to the cop shop, handed over the camera, showed him the footage, and let him lock you up there. It would have saved everyone a little bit of time. Um, look, one of the reasons I'm pretty disappointed with Rick is that uh, one of my mottos is uh, safety first. And uh, look, Rick didn't follow that uh, little life rule. And you know, I wonder whether Rick's new motto or whether he'll pick up a motto after the judge hands down his sentence, which uh, might be something along the lines of don't drop the soap. Okay, changing gears a little bit now, we're going to have a look at this week's uh, social media champion, David Armano. Uh, many of you guys listening to the podcast would uh, know uh, Dave and or read his blog um, and probably be aware of what he's been doing lately uh, in terms of tapping into his uh, network and using social media. If you haven't, uh, check out his blog at D-A-R-M-A-N-O dot typepad.com and you can read about what he's been doing for uh, a mother Daniela and her three children look the basic deal is that Daniela uh, is doing it pretty tough at the moment she's uh, left her abusive spouse she's lost her house uh, she's got three kids one of which has got down syndrome and apparently she works a job cleaning where the pay is just absolutely ridiculously low um, compounding the problem uh, Danielle is a Romanian immigrant and her support network is virtually non-existent so she doesn't really have a lot of people to turn to uh, at the moment uh, Daniela and her family are staying at David and his wife's house um, and the basic gist of the project was that he needed to try and find them an apartment to live in so to do this David tapped into uh, his network uh, and used all the social media tools that uh, he utilizes to try and help raise funds for Daniela and her family. Uh, David went out to his network, uh, asked them to consider donating some money or at the very least 
helping to get the word out about the situation. He wanted to raise the initial target was $5,000, which he figured was about enough that so they didn't have to worry about a deposit for a, uh, a new place. So why does David Almano get the Social Media Champion of the Week uh, award? Well, it's not just because he's a great guy who is helping a family in need, but because he's demonstrated the power of social media. Many a CEO or manager ask people who work in or understand social media about what's in it for them. How can they leverage the tools to benefit themselves and their companies? And they pretty much miss the point, don't they? You, I, we all know that it's not about taking from these relationships, that it's about contributing to them. And this is exactly what David has shown us and uh, what can be done to help change people's lives. Last I checked, he's raised just over $16,000 and all that came in in the first week. Uh, apparently the majority of it came in in the first 24 hours. Um, this has meant that Danielle and her family uh, have now been able to put down a deposit on an apartment and they've started to move in. So well done David, if only the world had more people like you using social media for good uh, instead of the ricks of the world who post videos of themselves on YouTube. Uh, doing dumb and illegal things that people are pretty much just not interested in seeing. Okay, that pretty much wraps it up. Rick's a moron. David Armano is a champion. Guys, please keep an eye out for uh, any social media morons or champions uh, that you would like me to, to feature in this segment in the Oyster Report. Let me know about them by visiting my blog at theoysterproject.blogspot.com or find me on Twitter at Daniel Oyston. That's D-A-N. I-E-L-O-Y-S-T-O-N. It's Cole on the couch. Welcome back, Colin. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you very much. You yes. had a relaxing summer break? Had a, had a very nice break. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Do you like the new sound of the new podcast? It sounds terrific. Isn't it sounds great? Like the new theme good. music. Yeah, <laughs> so very nice and refreshed. Freshened yeah. up for 2009. Yeah. yeah. And a very professional voiceover there, too. Now, Cole, what's news? What's news? Well, uh, sitting here the, on the 30th of January, the um, 2006 census uh, statistics uh, report. This is like from two and a half years ago. Two and, a, two and a half yeah. years ago. Mm -hmm. Now you might think that, oh, God, how boring is that? You know, it, it's hot as blazes outside, etc., etc. Why are they talking about stats? But the census is, and is, it's one of the things that Australia does really well. We actually have them. We have world class um, uh, census. You know, our Bureau of Statistics people actually go and consult other countries on how to run their censuses. I'm not surprised because the data they make available, publicly available in most cases um, freely available mm. is incredibly powerful. It's really powerful and any marketer has to know the sorts of things and trends that, uh, that, that, they're, that they're showing. Yeah, now the ABS is in the news today. Um, what They've just released some, um, some more data. I know it's, it's progressive. Over the years mm. after the census, mm. they progressively release reports yeah. uh, from that data. Because there's a lot of analysis and discussion Incredible that, amount, uh, yeah. that, that has to happen. I mean, some of the stuff is just putting numbers on things you already know. You yep. know people in their late 20s uh, are still living with their parents. That that uh, proportion has gone up 50% since the 1980s. You know, almost a third of people in their late 20s still live with their parents. I wonder whether that's because there are more people in that age group studying and um, staying at home, or are there other could, could, other forces? Could be. I mean, I mean, a number of the people listening to this will be people studying, of course. Sure, um, yeah. uh, yeah. The cost of housing, of course, is is very high. It's dropping, yes, but it's uh, it, it, it's still high. Mm. Um, you know, the number of women wo working over the last 20 years it's gone up 64. That's a lot. 2.6 yes. million to 4.2 million. Obviously, we've known, we've, we've seen that happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, now you've. Uh, you, I mean, you've census after census, yeah. that's yeah. an ongoing trend. Yeah. yeah. And just remember, I mean, it's only uh, two generations ago, I mean, like in. In, in my parents' day, in the grandparents' of, uh, day of most of the people listening to this, I guess, um, then only 14% of women had uh, had a, a tertiary qualification. And what is it now? Oh, it, now it's much higher. Yeah. And, in, and in fact, mm. it's, it's significantly more women than men have tertiary qualifications. Just look around at the university lecture theatre. You, you, you'll see that happening. So there are certainly trends that, uh, that but, all marketers need to be aware yeah, of. Yeah. But, in, but in my parents' day, in grandparents' day of most of our students, um, it was, you know, so more than twice as many men rather than women had a qualification of any sort. Yeah. Single women outnumber single men. 
just. You're I, looking excited by, by that by 199. <laughs> no, I, I'm not single, but actually, no, it's a little more worrying because uh, because as we age, survival kicks in. At uh, by the time you get to 75, and I'm a fair way off that. Thanks, Wags. Wags, but oh, you're uh, not that far. Oh, yes, you are. There are only 69 men to every hundred women. So we, we die off quicker. So yes. that's, that's a bit sad, and that's probably more relevant to me the than more the single the life they've lived. Yeah, I'm sure. The, um, the, but the really interesting thing: are you want to move on to the Ice no. Generation? Yes, I was about yes. to say. Go, that's go, that's go, what go. I loved yeah. about uh, yeah. about this report. Yeah. And that is that they've um, the ABS, and they. I mean, there's always people out there wanting to name generations. Oh, generation alphabet. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. I've one of the questions that I get so often often from my students, mm. and, and that is, what is the name of the generation after Generation Y? And it's a frustrating question to, well, to be asked because, fr fr frankly, and since no, since no particular individual has asked it to you just now, it's also a particularly stupid question. <laughs> exactly, because because there's there's so little in in common with them. I mean, they, what was it? It was gen what, what was it called? I mean, a few years ago, I've got a 14 year old daughter, or had a few years ago, and I brought in these terribly desirable. Uh, Pants that she bought at some place in Chapel Street. Mm -hmm. um, they were called Matikos. In fact, the, uh, uh, some of the first and second years here would would know them because um, it was of that age group. Yeah, yeah. of that age group. Mm -hmm. Hugely trendy then. Matikos. Matikos. M Y T I K O. Uh, they seemed to terribly tight around the um, the bottom area. <laughs> and they, around and the bottom they area. Around the bottom area. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> And and flared out at the um, uh, at, at, at the bottom, uh, at the uh, ankles. Yep. Um, the uh, I, I asked students who were then three or four years older mm -hmm. if they'd heard of these things. Not a single one. Lecture theatre, three hundred people. None of them have heard of them. And yep. they call that a generation. That's a difference between three and four years. I mean, how many? Yeah, yeah. How much do eighteen, nineteen-year-olds have in common with twenty-five-year-olds? Mm -hmm. Answer: Nothing. Certainly, nothing the eighteen, nineteen-year-olds yeah. we know, who are undergraduate students, compared to the twenty-five-year-olds who are running businesses, yeah. if they're graduates of that. Well, what's interesting here? The ABS have yes. actually um, put these labels on on these age groups, and yeah. they've they've now labelled um, the age group uh, currently in two thousand and nine between zero and and 19 years of age mm. as the i generation as in ipod uh, ipod internet uh, and the reason they've done it is that this generation have not known life without the internet the internet has always yeah. been around mm. uh, at least since they've been um since they were out of nappies yeah, yeah. exactly yeah um 20 to 39 year old age group so there's another 20 year gap there are generation x and generation y according to the abs i'm a bit worried about this one 40 to 59 are baby boomers uh, so they've actually changed the definition here well, of where the, the baby boomer generation has always been, been a bit yeah. a bit hazy the, yeah. the gray areas there and yeah. um, but again the, 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 the 40 40 year olds and 59 year olds have very very different huge difference yeah, yeah. yeah. 60 to 79 they've labeled lucky and 80 plus oldest <laughs> Frankly, I reckon if you're 80 plus, you're pretty lucky. You're pretty lucky to still be around. But, but interesting yeah. that now they've labelled the I generation. Yeah, that, that is that, likely that's, to stick. That, that, that's the fascinating one. That's the clever one. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. good. And and because the ABS have put that label on, that is now going to be used commonly um, by marketers, by the media. It, it'll be used by heaps and heaps of people, and, and, and because it comes from the ABS, it's uh, it, it's likely to be authoritative too. It gives it credibility. Yeah. It, it's a it's a really good term. Mm. It, it's a, it's a really good even down to. I mean, I, I'm sitting here wearing a watch, and and yeah, I'm not. Yeah, well, well you, you're you're not because you're so much younger than I am. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the you know, the I generation now watch is just a, it's a piece of jewellery. Yeah, you know, I had this discussion stuff, yesterday yeah. with someone that uh, yeah. yeah I haven't worn a watch for fifteen years yeah. uh, because my my you time is on my mobile phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't know why I I'd feel odd, but I get, get sunburned if I took my watch off because it's <laughs> a little strip there. But I think it's important though that these generations. I mean, it's you, you cannot generalise and say that everyone within that twenty-year age group is going to be identical, as you said before. No, you're, you're certainly not. But they're going to be. But there's certainly going to be more similarities amongst them than there are between them mm. and uh, those other generations. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the old cliche about you know the, the the school kid helping grandpa with the internet or mm. with the, the computer or whatever. Exactly. Uh, but then there's also international things too. Which is interesting. I, mean, I did a research study a few years ago that found that uh, undergraduate students were uh, here in Melbourne mm -hmm. were actually more similar to undergraduate students in Bangladesh 
yes. than, than they were to older people here. Yes. And yes. That, that, that ties into the iGeneration stuff Absolutely. too. Absolutely. They, they, they watch the same things, they look at the same websites, they, yeah, and, and, and so on. Yeah. I but, think what's yeah. interesting here though is that um, it's sort of moving away from defining people by age, but instead it's by psychographics. The, it's the, the things they're interested in, yeah. the, their activities and the, the music they listen to, the, um, the, the yeah, their values and ideals. Do they go and to the tennis or the cricket or exactly. do they not care what cricket is? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's those beliefs that will result in. In similar behaviours, uh, yeah. particularly from a marketing perspective, and you get changed behaviours too. Mm -hmm. Another thing that came out of, that's come out just today from the um, uh, the uh, ABS: mm -hmm. people whose parents were born overseas are more likely to be financially successful than those whose families have been in Australia for generations. Oh, why might that be? Do you think that's putting you on the spot? Yeah, why might that be? Why might people whose parents were born parents. overseas more likely to be financially successful than those who've Oh, I've been here for generations. Now, this, is, this could be a dangerous question to ask because I'm tempted to want to generalise, but. You can, gen just... can generalise. <laughs> well, well, even possibly stereotyping. Um, I'm just. just I've got no idea why it, that would it, be the it, case. It, 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 it is interesting, isn't it? Is it, it a it's, di it's different a... set of values from stricter upbringings, or. I'm not it's sure. Actually, I think, I think, actually, it's a. Um, the, it, it, it comes down to marketing. Yeah, why? Segmentation, targeting, positioning. Yes. Um, it what does it come down to? Because most of the people who were born overseas and then come to Australia go through a selection process. Through a selection process, what? To, to get a visa. To, to get a here. visa to be able to immigrate. To get a visa to come here. Yes. You don't need a visa or a license from the government to breed. So you think that the Australian so government is being selective in... Of course they are. Of course they yeah, are. But, they, but they, does they, that... they, they don't accept people who might be drains on society. Over the summer there was some huge fuss because a doctor, out, so in the, the doctor <laughs> out in the country wasn't allowed to, wasn't given permanent residence because he had a child who was Down syndrome. I'm, I'm struggling with your logic here. You're, you're arguing that Australia's gene pool is actually... Being enhanced by the immigration policies. Yeah, it, it's it's not um, it, 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 it's not selected. I mean, it, it, it's not selected. Mm. Nobody looks at you and your partner and says, "Yes, you're allowed to have kids." Mm. Right? You're allowed to produce more Australians. <laughs> so it, 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 it's the old argument about accidental Australians versus Australians by choice. So Australia's so, immigration but, policies are resulting in a more intelligent Australia. Because and more you, successful beca because as many of the people listening to this know, you get more immigration points. The smarter you are, the better qualified you are. Well, if if anyone agrees or disagrees with Colin, then we'd love to hear from you. And there, I, I'm sure are, that we have many uh, second generation Australians or even first generation Australians yeah. listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, to, uh, the, call in, let us know. The, 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 the numbers the, are at the end of the yeah. podcast. And and there's also the psychographic things too. I mean, mm. as, as you were saying before, I started being a little bit. Um, uh, Controversial, uh, as you were saying. I mean, yes, but the you know, the generation that moves pushes the you know, they may push their kids more. Yeah, My, children of migrants from certain ethnic groups are much more likely to, uh, likely to study for university. Of uh, those um, with Anglo-Saxon Australian mm -hmm. ancestry, less than the quarter. Uh, have university qualifications, so yeah, they've people yeah. have been here for generations. So twenty-two point seven percent, that is. But Chinese, forty-eight percent. Yes, thirty-two percent of Poles, twenty-seven percent of Greeks. Yeah, that's that's not surprising. It's not surprising. It's not surprising that's from looking around the place. That here. is strengthening your argument. I mean, there's and there's some data there. Yeah. That, uh, that and then, that, of yeah. course, there's, a, mm. there's the um, the psychology of it. Um, okay, well, that's an interesting report there, and I think uh, from this day forth. We're going to see that phrase and that term "I generation" used so much more. The, the "I generation" is going yeah. to be absolutely fascinating. Mm. And, I mean, and I just thought that thing about the um, you know, the, 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 the migration was so that, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, Colin, you've brought in this other little um, interesting article from the newspaper. Now, yeah, this is really <laughs> interesting. There's a there's great uh, article about speaking uh, of immigration. Yes, yeah, speaking. Of, well, it's not really immigration. I, I, I guess I guess we'd have him as a friend. There's a nice guy, Barack Obama. You may have heard of him. He's been in the news a little bit he, lately. He's, he's been in the news. Yes, nice chap. He's running America at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Now, a bit, bit of fuss about that. One of the uh, things that uh, the new podcast, 2009, the focus is purely on marketing here. Yeah. Not 
politics, Colin, yep. so we have to be very careful. Politics is all about Marty and branding anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, there's, so there's. Uh, so we're not going to talk too much about Obama. I'm not. I, I was merely explaining to, to who he was. Now this, you've brought this article in from uh, when, Wednesday, January the twenty-first, the day after his inauguration. Yes, the, it's the, the Daily Telegraph. I was in Sydney that weekend. The Daily Telegraph, and uh, it was paid. The first half of the newspaper was, uh, oh, was the first eight Obama. to ten pages was, was all about that. So there, yeah. there's a picture of Obama um, hugging a child, hugging a child, as all politicians do, as, as you do, with, you know, a lovely smile and so on. What is it about politicians holding children? Why do they do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, it's, yeah. it's one of the things they well, do, is they care and nurture something. Okay. But anyway, the thing that caught your eye here, the thing that caught my eye was that there was an, an ad under, just below that, um, uh, that picture. Um, <laughs> it's just got two words on it. It says, Goodbye, Bush, and there's a logo <laughs> for a mob called Veet, V-E-E-T. <laughs> Which is a, a hair removal product. Yes, it's and a de depilatory cream, or whatever they call it. Depilatory cream, yeah. <laughs> and just says, goodbye, Bush. That is very, very clever. I'm impressed. Are you, go are you going to explain, Wes? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure our listeners will uh, will understand that ad fully. And uh, I think that is just beautiful. Gutsy for them to do that. I wonder how many complaints the Daily Telegraph got. I wonder how many uh, uh, newspapers refused to run it. Yeah, gutsy for them to run it, but uh, very clever work. So congratulations, uh, the people at Veet, yeah, uh, or your agency, or whoever came up with that idea. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're the marketing success of the uh, of the year so far. Aren't they? Uh, absolutely. Although possibly Barack Obama could be too, but we'll, we'll see about that one. <laughs> no, that's very very nice. Yeah, yeah. well well done, Veet. Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking of newspapers, Cole, yeah. our beloved Melbourne uh, newspaper, The Age. Yeah, iconic. Yeah, have you been yeah. reading The Age over, yes. over summer? Yes, yeah. yeah. How do you read The Age? Online or well, paper? I read it online. I'm, well, I'm not quite the I generation, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but you, you read The Age more online than paper-based, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I get a hard copy at weekends. Yeah. yeah. So I try to save off the computer at weekends. But That's interesting. But weren't there some stats that came out recently? Um, Last year, 2008, yep. was, uh, was the first year that Americans got more news information uh, from the web rather than from hard copy newspapers. Yes, I saw that. Website, and uh, so the, the tide has turned. It's now Americans are relying more on the web than on printed newspapers yep. for their news. I subscribe to the print copy of the age. It's a special deal. Oh, you so. sweet, I didn't think I knew yeah. anybody who still did that, you sweet old-fashioned thing. But I was really annoyed with them over summer. Mm -hmm. Okay, Christmas, New Year, um, the time of year when I want to be able to sit back on holidays and spread out the newspaper and just relax and read the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now, what do the age do over summer? I don't know. What, you said you subscribe on weekends. What do they do with the weekend editions over su summer? Well, I, I, I know immediately after Christmas, I spent about ten minutes ferreting around in the front yard trying to find the second section of the age. Well, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. There wasn't <laughs> exactly. one. They all put it together. So what yeah. used to be a huge publication suddenly yeah. becomes this tiny, thin little thing. In yeah. fact, for two weeks... And it's not just that there aren't as many ads. Exactly. For two weekends in a row, the Friday-Saturday edition was actually combined. So you got the same newspaper delivered on Friday and on on Saturday. So not only... But they printed the same thing twice. Absolutely. It was ridiculous. That was the, the Christmas and New Year fortnight. So, so you paid for it twice? Well, I paid for the year. Uh, it's a, an annual subscription, so uh -huh. it's, a, it's a good uh -huh. deal. But I guess that the cost isn't the issue. The, the fact is that here I am wanting to read the newspaper, wanting mm -hmm. a thick holiday read. And what happens? Because you've got nothing else to do. Exactly. Yeah. Now, talk about lack of customer focus. Surely the people at the Age newspaper realise that their customers are more likely to want to sit back and read a newspaper when they have more time. Well, you've certainly got more time to do it. I mean, you, you, you're sitting here, yeah. They send all their staff on holidays and there's nothing in the newspaper. So, so you're, you're forced to go out and paint the fence or work in the garden. It's a complete lack of so customer focus, I believe. Or, or, go, or go to the beach. Yeah. It's, that's when they should actually be competing to, uh, for your time. Mm. Absolutely, they should. So I they think should be out there producing a really good quality product. So you mm. say, gee, I should take more time to read the newspaper 
when I'm back at work. So with attitudes and approaches to their customers as uh, like that, it won't be long before um, Australia follows the US in, in terms of most of us getting our news and information from the web, providing well, yeah. the age and others are able to deliver a good online service. But I, I found myself looking at overseas newspapers for, um, for mm. a lot of the stuff because you know, bigger markets and so on. But there's, there, there's more to it than that, I think. It, it's not just shifting to online. It's the whole idea of whether you listen to customers or not. Whether you have a production orientation or a customer orientation. Yes, and I think that's what it comes oh, down to. Oh, it's summer holidays, so we won't produce much in the way of newspapers. No one will notice. <laughs> but you noticed, and I noticed. Yes. And anybody who was in Melbourne over the period would have noticed. And there's a great marketing opportunity missed, mm. because there's the opportunity to change your behaviour. Yeah, So you value the paper more, mm. instead of which... They just shrink it because not many people are reading it. Yeah, it's so, so it's cost focused basically. Yeah. It, it's the, it's the blessed. Uh, I, I, should I be rude? Yeah, I'll be rude about accountants. It's the accountants. It's uh, unthinking <laughs> accountants reducing costs. I think there's a lot of history here that they have to unwind as well. I mean, newspapers have always thought in terms of a 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. They have their print runs overnight or yeah. whenever it is they yeah, do them. Um, press the, start there are deadlines yeah. when they have to have the news yeah. in by. So it's been this 24-hour cycle, yeah. and uh, that has to change hmm. because news doesn't happen just once every 24 hours. No. Things happen around the clock around the world. Well, no, I bet today, because today's one of those stinking hot days, mm. uh, a lot of people are clicking on the website just to find out how bad the temperature is. Has it got to 42 or 43 or whatever exactly. it is? Exactly, yes. But yeah. that, that whole attitude isn't just... I mean, that's not just there with stupid newspapers, struggling newspaper proprietors, because the age's profitability is dropping yes. like nobody's business. Yeah, well, being, where else? Because, because people, aren't look, people aren't looking at hmm. it. Well, dare I say it, and people who are you know, long-term listeners to this, um, uh, uh, to this please don't scream. I can hear the C word coming. <laughs> well, it may not be Connex, but it's the public transport system. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, so they had, pro they, they had problems with the heat. And now these things these things happen. Uh, yes, hotter countries have got trains that work more reliably. They but, certainly do. Yeah, but in, and it may be it may be considered acceptable for on a few stinking hot days the system not to work perfectly because I guess you, uh, it's probably not appropriate to spend however many millions of dollars it is mm. to make sure the system works properly on forty three degree days because on average. We only get one day over 40 degrees a year. That, we, we probably just need to tell a bit of a backstory for those yeah. listeners interstate or overseas. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're currently, what, our third consecutive day over 40 degrees in Melbourne. Um, and for, what has for happened? The, for the first time in recorded history, we've had three consecutive days this hot. Climate yeah. change deniers, I think, are being very quiet now. Yeah. But as a result, mm -hmm. um, Melbourne's trains, there have been a number of cancellations. Yeah. Now, I personally, I've been catching a train right through this, and mm -hmm. it's nowhere near as bad as the media is making out. Yeah. Okay, the media are really beating this up. Last night was a classic. Flinders Street Station, mm -hmm. most of the platforms running smoothly, empty, people getting on trains, but the one platform where there were two trains in a row cancelled, that's where the media shot to. And there was the ABC reporter down there with the cameras and the angry people around them, crowded. Mm -hmm. um, that's where they chose to film. So it's not, not not totally honest or dispassionate. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. No. Mm. But I mean, it, it, trains aren't the only means of transport that go wrong. I mean, when, when uh, it, I'm sure people, a lot of people's cars would have broken down in the heat too. And, and when it rains a lot, then yeah. there, there's floods. Roads get blocked too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you're on the train, you don't have an alternative. But the, the state government has announced today, uh, Friday the 30th of January, it's free travel, free transport on all of Melbourne's public transport system. So buses, trams and trains. And that's apparently um, it's going to co uh, cost $2 million to, to someone. For one day. For one day. Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? They must, collect, revenue. They must collect $2 million a day from, from fares. Yeah. Imagine how much fare they'd collect in fares if they had people collecting now, it. Rather obviously, than this is a gesture of goodwill for those people who've been inconvenienced over the last couple of days with the uh, the cancellations. And well, so I wouldn't have thought it would be th uh, they'd generate all that much goodwill, and my point, um, that much goodwill among regular commuters. Because mm. if you're a regular commuter and you've bought yourself a weekly or a monthly ticket, you're stuck. That's actually a good point. Yeah, and, and apparently they're not offering a day or two's extension on the thing. And surely those people that buy the annual ticket or the monthly ticket, yeah. they're the ones that um, are the loyal customers that maybe they should be looking after. Well, 
I, you told me I wasn't allowed to talk much about politics, but that's a classic political action because mm. you've captured them. Yes. Right? So it's just like peop uh, people who live in uh, in safe electorates. Yep. They don't get any of the attention around election time at all. Yeah. No. Uh, I, uh, mm. I drive a lot um, to the other side of Geelong. Yep. The Geelong bypass, which has been talked about for 40 years, <laughs> didn't actually happen until there was an election and uh, two seats in Geelong became very marginal. Yes. And then you had to go and buy the votes. Yeah. So, um, so in other words, so if the, the politicians don't look after their, their, their core... Well, look, the same like happens it. through so many other industries. Um, banking's a really good example. The banks, yeah. Okay, where they give their lowest interest rates mm -hmm. to the, uh, the borrowers, mm -hmm. um, who are new borrowers. Uh, yeah. Want a new home loan? First 12 months, we'll give you a super discounted rate. But the loyal customers that have been with them year after year after year pay the top price. Because we know how unpleasant it is to deal with the bank, so we're not going to change. Exactly. Yeah. And they're locked yeah. in, and they're locked in for their 25-year mortgage, so um, they're... Oh, well, you're locked in for longer than that. I mean, if you, you know, in mind, you've got, you've got the loans, you've got the, the mortgage, you've got the credit cards, you've been... All your direct credit. debit payments, oh, it's, you're locked in. Yeah. Yeah. It would take you days to unravel all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think that, that can be dangerous, um, but treating it, your customers It makes like you cross. And, and yes, banks do... Uh, well, they used to. They used to call them the terrorist customer. Mm. They, they obviously wouldn't use that word now. No. But they the, the customers who are with the bank, but they hate it. Mm. Well, yeah. isn't that most bank customers? They, they dislike <laughs> their bank. It, it's a bit like... But they don't change. Pa yeah, passenger attitudes to Qantas, for example. Yeah. Yeah, a significant proportion of, um, uh, of Qantas passengers are people who are flying Qantas because it's corporate policy to fly Qantas. Yeah, or because yeah. their frequent fire points are building up and they um, so they lock yeah, in. The, yeah, so the loyalty program, loyalty in inverted yeah. commas. Yeah, so, mm. so it's not actually loyalty. So giving away free tickets yep. is not likely to increase people's happiness because, I mean, you know, I doubt if people would voluntarily go out on the trains today anyway. Well, I've caught the train today and I must say it was the quietest I've ever seen it. It certainly, these free tickets did not increase patronage today. In fact, if anything, it seems to have decreased. Well, I, I imagine people would be putting off travelling because I think it's going to get cooler soon. Yeah, I, I guess there's a perception that if they're free, then maybe the service is going to be really bad, so they're not going to risk it and they drove instead. That wouldn't surprise me. Or they stayed at home. Yeah. Or, or went early to a shopping centre. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, it's lovely we could uh, bring the C word in, in our very first uh, first podcast back for 2009. Yeah. I, but is, I feel a little... Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's... I mean, this is all terribly complex and it's a, it's, it's a big business issue with, with, with how you organise these things, but... Yeah. Oh, well, it's... Um, can, can, can I finish with a cheery little note? One more little cheery story before we go, yeah. And here's a story that's come in from my friends in the UK, from the University of Newcastle in England, not Newcastle, Australia. Yes. Cows with names like Daisy, Gertrude or Buttercup produce more milk than their sisters with no names. <laughs> Why might that be? Oh Why might that be? This sounds like the, the old story where Prince Charles used to talk to his um, apple tree to make it fruit more. Yeah. yeah to, to, talking to your plants... Talk to your plants is associated with better performance by the plant. <laughs> and we won't be rude about Prince Charles and say that, yes, it was sort of similar intellectual levels or anything. If you, yeah. Okay, so it's because the, the mere fact that you're talking to them, you're paying them more attention, and maybe subconsciously while you're paying them attention, you slip the cow a sugar, sugar cube or something else and it, um, it feels better and pumps more milk out? It's in I think it's the, it's the same thing... <coughs> It, it's the same thing as our friends, the immigrants, I was talking about before. Yeah, why? Because it's, it, it's selection. If you give a cow a name, you're obviously going to spend more time with it okay, than so a cow with no name, if it's just number 147 in a, in, in a herd. So if it's, if if it's, it's catching it, a cold and got a runny nose, you're more likely to get I'm, the vet out and I'm, so on. Well, I'm, no, I'm more <laughs> likely to notice it in the first place. That was the point with the plant. Okay. It, it's, not, it's not the actual talking to it. Somebody actually did a study and thought it was the carbon dioxide you breathed over the plant. <laughs> it's not that. It's while you're looking at it, you can see if any of the leaves are going brown, if there's some bugs on it or whatever. So you pick them off <laughs> because you're paying more attention to it. This, uh, Okay, so now I want to see you connect this back to branding. It's branding. How? <laughs> because it's a known, it's a known item. It's not cow number. Yeah, just another one of those black and white ones, the, 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 the Frisians. That's Daisy. Here comes Daisy. Here's Daisy. Here's Gertie. Here's Buttercup. Uh, Daisy with a full udder. Yeah. Get <laughs> okay, a Daisy. Yeah. Um, so you, you, yeah, you improve the animal welfare. 
Love because, it. Because, because Daisy's got a name, you treat Daisy as an individual. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so the, the lesson we can all learn from this, name your cattle, everyone. In <laughs> fact, I wonder if Connicks should name their trains. Apparently, they do. Well, um, the country trains have all got names. Yeah. Which They're is all like, named after famous sports people. Yeah, and, and the... I uh, saw Andrew Gaze go past yesterday, actually. Oh, well, there you go. Qantas named their planes, too. Um, okay, so that might be the solution. There we go, Connex. If the, the Connex marketing people are listening... Actually, they'd better not, because the, you know, there's a bit of a war going on now between Connex and the union, and apparently there's one train that's uh, stuck in the sheds, not allowed to be used, because it's got some stickers on the inside that identify the train. Himself, and apparently the union don't like it. So Connick say. No idea if it's true or not. But anyway, let's... I'm sure there'd be an appropriate name for that train that's stuck in there and not allowed to be used. Well, it probably isn't Daisy, Gertrude or Buttercup. No. <laughs> I think we can name that one Lynn Kosky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on that note, there's a line there which I think I'd leave well alone. On that note, we might have to wrap up. Well done, Daisy, Gertie and Buttercup. The, uh, the, the cows with names that perform better because they're treated individually and have individual care and attention. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Carl. Talk to you next time. See you then. See bye. you, bye. Well, that's it for another Marketing Today podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the, uh, the new feel, the new fresh sound for the podcast. Um, I'd love to hear what you think. Certainly um, give us some feedback and keep listening. The um, details on how to contact us, both the feedback line and the email address, are at the very end of this podcast, so stay tuned. Certainly enjoyed that chat on the couch with Cole. Um, once again, Paul getting Cole getting political uh, as usual, but uh, I guess uh, Cole wouldn't be Cole without the politics, would he? Uh, love you, Cole. Um, and uh, also, thank you so much to uh, Oyster for that very first Oyster report, and uh, certainly hoping uh, hoping you, you can continue with those Oyster. We certainly uh, certainly enjoy hearing from you and um, and some news from the social media space. So to take us out this week something that you're all familiar with, and that is a music track. Now, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, music I play on this podcast is always pod-safe music. In other words, uh, it is perfectly okay for me to play this, play this music as I have permission from the artists and the record labels to do so as a way of them promoting and getting the message out about some of this music. This track I'm going to play is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. You can check that out online at music.podshow.com. This is from a, an artist from New York in the US. His name is David Cloyd. Um, a bit laid back and I guess it's probably appropriate for a hot uh, summer's week in Australia to have a music track like this. It's called Never Run. Um, and David, he says that he's inspired um, and influenced by artists such as Radiohead, Jeff Buckley, Peter Gabriel, uh, even John Lennon to a certain extent. So I'm sure you'll hear certain elements of each of those artists coming out in this track from David Cloyd. It's called Never Run. Lies all talk. That lies are warnings The panic's out and on a road This place is loaded A face that drags Paint open door And in your mind There's nothing wrong In your mind it's so long Oh, the blasted slow But faster it will go
Conversation by calling plus sixty one three double nine zero three double one double nine or by emailing podcast at monishmarketing.com. This podcast is protected under a Creative Commons Attribution non commercial share alike license. You are welcome to share and remix this podcast for non commercial purposes.